So this week is a little bit different from our previous uh, episodes. Um, We've completed about a dozen, just over a dozen episodes, and I appreciate everyone who's uh, stopped by and listened, downloaded, streamed, uh, whatever it may be. Um, I appreciate all the feedback that everyone's given. Um, But that aside, uh, David was not able to to join me this week, um, but I was able to interview um, somebody else. And so that's where we're going to start this week. It might be a week or two before David's able to cut back. Uh, he's just got some things going on. Um, just real busy. And, um, <clears throat> but with that, um, thank you for downloading this week's episode and I hope you enjoy it. So Daryl, take it away. All right. Well, as Dan already introduced me, uh, my name is Daryl. I am from Connecticut. I've gone on a couple of hiking trips with uh, Dan David. Um, I'm more of a weekend warrior type. Usually I find myself getting out in the woods when Dan calls me last minute and says, hey, we're going hiking. Um, but I, I really enjoy my time that I get to spend out there with them and I'm looking forward to the podcast. So why are you just a weekend warrior? Um, mostly just because of career choice? I would say it's career, family, um, in, I'm, I'm not really the lone wolf type to just go out there on my own. Um, I, I like the camaraderie of it. I like to get out there with you know people I enjoy being around. And uh, to go out there by myself where I would probably appreciate it, there's no one really to share the stories or your experiences with. And um, there's not too many people in my life that are really interested in camping and getting out in the woods in the way that we usually do. So it's really kind of uh, when you give me that call and you know, I usually make the time and we go. And that's kind of why I'm the weekend warrior. That's how I, you know, kind of take that title. Um, it's kind of unfortunate, but um, it, it kind of also makes it more special that way. You know, it's something I look forward to. It's kind of like a holiday. You know, Christmas comes around once a year. These hikes usually come around, you know, our big one once a year with maybe a couple small ones sprinkled in. So mm-hmm. I, I think it kind of keeps it special for me, and it's not something I can do all the time because of my family and career. So, um, yeah, it's kind of how that plays out for me, unfortunately, but it works. Yeah. So tonight we were going to discuss, I think it is officially our first big overnighter. It was supposed to be a two night stay out on the Nipmuc trail in uh, Northeastern Connecticut. Um, now this is one of your favorite trails. Um, I know that you've been trying to bike the whole thing. You wanted to do like a bike camping type of thing on it and remind me that has not happened yet. It has not happened yet, unfortunately. Um, but yes, this is uh, definitely one of my favorite trails. It's located primarily in Union, Eastford, um, Wyndham County area. Uh, it's 42 miles long, I want to say. Um, it, it's probably some of the most beautiful forest I've, I, that I've found here in northeastern Connecticut. So I'm just really attracted to the area. There's something about being out there. It just feels like you're in a different world. Um, but and you and you had taught me a little bit about it last time we were up there uh, in in this past July. Um, it, why don't you tell me or tell tell everybody a little bit about the trail? Because I know you you had some history on it, like you knew a little bit of the history, right? Yeah, I, I did a little bit. I know it was um, it was it did the trail kind of hailed from the the local Native Americans um, from once upon a time. I can't remember which tribe it was. But it kind of connected a lot of the waterways up here, um, all the major lakes and rivers. And uh, it, it's 
it, it's just kind of never faded away. It's something that's been around for a long time. There's even a portion of the trail that there's a sign posted somewhere out there. I think we passed it at one point, and it's like the oldest part of the Nipmunk Trail. Mm-hmm. Um, it, you know, there's a lot of cool history out there. There's, you know, there's some old foundations out there. There's a lot of mills and everything that were out there once upon a time. Sawyer, you know, for cutting down trees and stuff. Yeah, we've definitely come across some oddities, uh, some old old uh, foundations and stuff like that out there. Yeah, it's just um, it's also kind of unique terrain. It's I think it's probably still feels like the it's not an old growth forest, but it kind of has that feel because the terrain's really hard for them to really get in there and you know cut trees down and you know pull them out of there like they would for forests that are more uh, accessible in this day and age. Um, and it is a state forest, and it does get, you know, sometimes cut here and there. It's more selective cutting out there, and it's sad to see when you come upon a section like that. But I think the most part of it, it's it's pretty well, you know, hands-off, at least it has been as of to date that I'm aware of. Well, it was a little bit uh, cut down when we were up there in July. It was. There was a, big, there was a major section uh, of, of the trail with a lot of felled trees. Yeah, and it's it's always sad to see because it, it really is one of the most beautiful places that I found out here. Uh, it's kind of my go-to place, and kind of like what you mentioned, I've been wanting to bike it from start to finish, and um, that's when I kind of started buying the gear for camping. And then, like I said, all of a sudden one day you kind of call me up out of the blue and like, "Hey, I'm coming to Connecticut. Let's do it." And one other reason why I haven't ever tried to bike the whole thing is just you have a bike, and you know it's not always easy to lug your bike up a mountainside sometimes you know it's really good to know the trail and kind of know what you're getting into before you try to do a two-nighter on a mountain bike out there with god knows how much gear or whatever you can cram into your camelback so when you kind of pitched the idea of hiking it i was really excited because i really wanted to explore the rest of this trail um i've only really ever done the first few legs of it on a mountain bike the first two which, and, that, uh, and that's on and that's on the northern end right that would start up by bigelow hollow state park um in union and uh, the first two legs, you know, it's probably a good eight and a half miles, I'm guessing. Um, but on a mountain bike, it's not like you're on a road bike on clear pavement. You know, eight and a half miles in the woods, especially on the Nipmunk Trail, is like probably 50 miles on the road. So I, I've never really had the juice to keep going. Sometimes, you know, you just don't have the time. Um, so when given the opportunity to kind of hike the rest of it and explore it, you know, I'm very excited at that prospect. And... Uh, yeah, we, me, you, and David departed, and I think we actually started on the other end, down. In yeah, Wyndham. we did start on. We started in the Wyndham section, just so that it was it was a it was a part that we had never done before. So right. we figured we might as well start at that end. Yep, new territory, and we, we kind of kicked it off down there. I believe our significant others dropped us off and sent us on our way, and uh, it was a good time. Anyway, I mean, one of the first cool things that we we kind of came across there's a really big rock overlook, um, and it was it was quite you know, picturesque out there. And uh, I think much to all of our surprise, when we got to the top, there was a, an older lady repainting one of the rock outcroppings up there because somebody had gone up there and graffitied it. And uh, she was kind of trying, trying to restore that's not it. wolf rock, right? Is that what it's called, wolf rock? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I know, it, you know, it, they, she was trying to bring it back to its former glory and... Uh, Again, I know you guys have touched base on this before in the past, but it's sad when people go up there and deface nature and just for the sake of doing it. 
but um, it, it was really a worthy view once we got up there. It was a nice place to take a break, catch our breath, and um, I believe the first few legs of that trail, there was a lot of road crossings. You know, it wasn't. It's not as wild as it is once you get further north up in the Eastford Union area. Um, so it was kind of broken up, crossing trails, uh, the roadways, walking on the road quite a bit. Um, but there was just some really cool stuff out there, big rivers that you just wouldn't expect to see or, you know, I haven't really come across too often around here. Um, I, I know you mostly uh, do your hiking these days down in Florida, so I'm guessing when you were, you know, up here in your Connecticut days, you know, how, how do you feel it compares to what you were used to up here to uh, what you saw on that day? In, in what aspect? Well, I guess, I mean, I, from what I recall before you moved to Florida, you weren't really, you haven't really discovered uh, your passion for hiking and camping yet. Um, well, not we, to used to go to Ro- we used to go up to Ross's uh, a bunch. And I, I actually, I think I really found my, my love for the outdoors. Um, originally, I found it in Arizona when I was about 14 years old. Um, I found a renewed sense of, 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 I don't know, love for the outdoors. Um, oddly enough, at um, Eastern Connecticut State University, in a out, I think it was called Adventure Running or something like that. And um, the majority of the southern end, the majority of the southern end of the Nipmuc Trail was pretty much everything we did for that class. That's right. I remember you telling me about that. Yeah. Yeah. So the class is amazing. And I, and, and if anyone is listening that goes to Eastern, uh, Eastern Connecticut state university up in Connecticut, uh, I highly recommend adventure running if they still offer it. Of course, that was, that was 10 years ago when I took the course. Um, (laughs) but the thing is, is like the class was great. I mean, it was all trail running on the Nipmuc trail and it's a gorgeous trail. Uh, there were a couple of sections that, or a couple of days that were not on the trail, and they were amazing too. There are so many really cool trails in in Northeast Connecticut that I really didn't know about growing growing up up there. You know, like we we grew up in you know small towns. Um, you grew up in in Woodstock, right? Yep, and I, I guess that's kind of what I was getting at with my question. Like, yeah, I feel like in my experience, nothing compares to the Nipmuc Forest at all. Out here, it's just it, it's it's special. It almost sounds cheesy, but I feel like it's almost magical out there. And it is a re- it is a gorgeous, especially for that area. Um, like Natcho is a really nice one as well. And I I don't want to argue about you know who's got the who's got the better uh, forest in Connecticut. Absolutely not. We'll keep them all. We'll keep them all. Exactly. I mean, and and you know the. The more the merrier sort of thing. I mean, it's, it's never a bad thing to have, have beautiful state forests and, and national parks. They're, they're all wonderful. Yeah. Um, I do remember. Down in, oh, go ahead. In, in Florida, everything is flat. It's, it's open. It's, all, it's a lot of prairie down, down at least where I am. But I'm center of Florida, or, you know, I'm, I'm what, uh, western kind of center uh, of Florida, so I'm 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 close to the water on the Gulf side, but I'm about halfway down. So if I go camping, I'm heading out towards the middle because uh, I'm obviously on the water. Uh, it's just very very busy, very populated. There's nowhere really to camp out here. Although uh, there are a couple of roads, like main roads down here, where if you look through the trees on the side of the road, you will see you will see people living out there. 
in, in, in tents. Um, we have a few uh, tent cities out here as well. Um, I, I, do, but, I remember when you kind of gave me the call to start that trip. That's when I really started picking up my camping gear. You know, I kind of just started picking up little items here and there. And uh, when we, we decided to plan this first trip, I kind of realized I was lacking in a lot of areas. And I, uh, I spent a small fortune trying to get myself up to par. And there was a few learning experiences along the way. But, well, uh, I feel like every every time that we uh, we go hiking, you you tend to buy a lot of stuff too. I do, and it's you know it's kind of that learning curve, you know, trying to figure out what works for you and what doesn't. Um, yeah. But I think I'm pretty well situated now, and you know, the first time we went out there, that first night we spent, um, I, I well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So let's 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 talk about that because um, we we have a couple of weeks uh, where it's probably going to be me and you talking, so we can definitely cover a lot of material uh, over the next couple of weeks. But <clears throat> let's let's share that that first night of all of the three of us camping, uh, four of us if you count my dog who came with us. Yeah. <laughs> now now Razo had come with uh, he he'd gone camping with me a bunch of times. Uh, but this was the first time he'd ever camped in Connecticut. Um, so it was, it's much different terrain, like I said. Um, and of course, usually when, when Razo and I go camping, it's just Razo and I going camping and we go hang out in the woods and, you know, he looks at squirrels and birds and whatnot and, and we have a good time. Um, this time there, there was two other people. He was really good. I thought he was really good. I don't know if you remember remember him. He was great. We actually kind of took turns, uh, having him hooked to us to kind of give, you know, you a break sometimes. And he, I, I yeah, cause no he, about Razo. yeah, he's got a lot of energy and a lot of times he just likes to pull and see what's around the next corner and what's, what's around the next hill. And so, uh, yeah, taking turns was great. Um, but so that way, though, because I think we were just as curious to see what was around the next corner as he was. So we were making pretty good time. Yep. Um, so, but, uh, so, so just, so we we do include a good story in this. Let's talk about the that first night. We we set up camp. We set up camp in a, a great location. I thought at least uh, we we were what a couple of miles away from the closest road slash house or whatever. Really close or, to the big river. Yeah, a beautiful river. I mean, it was it was Russell a gorgeous river. Walk, you know, pine. Yeah, and then we were able to just go down down the hill to the river, grab tons of water, bring it up, and and just refresh all of our water needs and, and cook dinner around the fire and everything. Um, and then you were the only one with a hammock. And then David had his two person Ozark trail and I had a two person Coleman for, for the dog and I, and Dave was good. I know he, like he was nice and warm and I was nice and warm in mine. Of course, my dog likes to sleep on your chest if at all possible, but you, this was your first time in the hammock. Uh, so, so tell me about that. Yeah, so I initially uh, discovered the hammock um, because I was looking for something lightweight that I could probably put in a camelback for my mountain bike trip that I uh, had hoped to do. And I went with the uh, Warbonnet Blackbird, which I absolutely love. Um, it's it's a great hammock. It really is lightweight. It's, you know, I don't want to go too far talking about just a hammock, but I love that thing. And unfortunately, it was my maiden voyage um, hammock camping um, you know, I'd set it up once or twice in the yard. I wasn't exactly proficient with it yet. Um, you know, I had a few accessories. I had some nesting straps made by Eno that kind of made it a little bit simpler to hang. Um, I didn't have a tarp. Um, 
Oh, no, I, I think I did buy the tarp for that. That was one of my uh, expensive purchases. What I didn't purchase yet were a top and under quilt, and I didn't really – I had a really cheap I sleeping I, I think you. I think you went and bought a, a cheap tarp. You didn't you, – you, you eventually – because I know for our trip that we did to the Whites – Right. Uh, yep. you, you had you had a good tarp. You had like the war bonnet, uh, full winter tarp. You had it for that trip, but I don't think you had it for for our first uh, Nipmuc trail hike. Maybe you're right. Maybe I did just buy a cheap old tarp, um, but I also bought a really cheap, cheesy uh, sleeping bag from Walmart. Walmart Special. I think it was like thirty bucks, and they said it was rated down to uh, I want to say forty degrees. And I was like, well, it's never going to get down to forty degrees that night. And it was pretty warm out still. Um, I don't remember what month it was, to be honest. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I thought uh, it, was, it was... I want to say it was September. Was it? Yeah, because it was when we drove up. Okay. And my son was uh, two months old. That was the first time he slept through the night was that was was uh, then. All right. So, yeah, either way... It was definitely September. Yeah. I, I skimped on the sleeping bag thinking it would be more than adequate. Um, I, I, again, I guess you can see that that's where I wasn't really well educated in the camping world. Just because it said it's rated down to 40 degrees, that doesn't mean it's going to be a comfortable to use in 40 degree weather. And it may have even got a little colder than that that night. I don't remember. But I do remember getting everything set up. I was really comfortable in my hammock um, until the sun went down. We, <coughs> we did have a, a nice fire going. And... Uh, you know, once that sun went down and everybody kind of nestled in for the night, I found myself to be a little on the chilly side, especially after sweating and hiking all day. Um, and for listeners, picture The Gray, the movie with uh, Liam Neeson. That's pretty much what it was in <laughs> September in, in Connecticut. <laughs> yeah. So I guess the funny part of this story comes when I woke up in the middle of the night um, freezing. And uh, the fire was just about dead, so I put on my headlamp. I, you know, pulled on a, a long sleeve shirt and got out, and uh, I started searching around looking for wood. And I was kind of calling out to you guys, you, you guys being, you know, you and David, hey, help me find some wood so I can get this fire going again. No response. Total silence. Like either I was thinking to myself, either you guys are just dead asleep and you don't hear me because you're so tired. Or you hear me and you're blatantly ignoring me because you have no intention on getting up at 2 in the morning in the dark to look for firewood when you're not cold. Whatever the reasoning was, I don't know. But as I'm out there looking for firewood by myself at 2 in the morning with a headlamp, all I hear, I start to hear coyotes howling everywhere. And I'm looking around and I can see coyote eyes pretty much surrounding our entire campsite because, you know, their eyes shine in the dark when the light hits it. And uh, here I am trying to fight with this fire, trying to get the ambers going. And uh, you know, at I'm least not, at least when you got back in your hammock, you were off the ground. I, I was off the no. ground. And so, I, so if if the coyotes come around, I mean, they're going to have to jump to get you. But that's after they already eat David, myself, and, and Razo because we're just sleeping on the ground. Well, I mean, I uh, I'm not exactly afraid of coyotes. I kind of have this mindset, and maybe it's ignorant. Um, so forgive me if it is, but I, I kind of look at it like if I'm out in the woods in this day and age and I get eaten by a bunch of coyotes, I probably deserved it. If I can't outsmart a bunch of dogs, then I had no business being out there to begin with. Um, I wasn't all that nervous. Uh, 
a little bit of back history. I'm not going to go too far on this. I am a member of law enforcement, and I I was carrying my my sidearm with me, so I wasn't like completely unprotected, and neither were you guys. But you know, it would have been nice to have some help gathering firewood, so I get that fire going a little bit more. So they you know try to ensure there was no issue. Um, but I did it all by myself. No thanks to you guys. I got a fire going and. It was amazing how much having a fire helped to warm me up in the hammock. It made a huge difference. Um, but down. But I also think I, I also think that you ended up getting embers on your on your uh, tarp that night too. Yeah, that which, was which, which I think was fine because it was it was the it was the cheapo tarp I do believe. Right, so. and unfortunately that also happened to my uh, my super my super J I believe it's called from War Bonnet as well on our next mm-hmm. trip. But um, once that fire got so going, it, I warmed up quite yeah, a so bit. It's a bit of a catch twenty-two uh, as far as the fire is concerned in, in a hammock. I think that's probably true for a tent as well. It just really depends on how you set up your camp. And again, I'm probably showing that my uh, my lack of knowledge in the outdoors actually being out there. Um, you know, I can probably muscle through and hack it, but you know, there's definitely a little bit of tricks to the trade that kind of make your stay a little bit easier if you kind of you know mm-hmm. have some experience and. That was really my first trip getting out there and camping out in the middle of nowhere. I mean, there's not camps set up on the Nimmo Trail. We actually had to make our campsite. So, you know, as a disclaimer, you might want to throw it to your listeners. Technically, you may not be able to camp on the Nimmo Trail. We just kind of did it. <laughs> but but if you leave no trace, I mean, if you head outside and you and you go somewhere and you respect the the property that you're on right um there's always there's always stuff like you know stealth camping that people talk about and whatnot and and it's a really cool idea if you're trying to get from point a to point b and it's going to take you several days and say you're doing it by bike or say you're doing it by hiking or something like that stealth camping can be very useful the idea with stealth camping is that you don't make such a racket and you don't produce a whole bunch of fire like you know you don't want someone seeing that you're out there and you don't want someone to see that you have been there and that's the whole whole idea behind stealth camping and i think we did a decent job stealth camping that night of course we were we were far enough away from uh any houses or roads to really be seen um so that was good we kept our fire we kept our fire like it wasn't like this huge bonfire that you would see at some high schoolers uh field party or something like that i mean we were responsible about what we were doing and we made sure that when we put the fire out in the morning we used plenty of water you know because we definitely don't want to burn the whole place down i mean it's one of the places that we really love in northeastern connecticut um so the last thing we wanted to do was burn the whole place down and so i mean even for even for uh, a you know a bunch of noobs, as you you keep pretty much saying, um, well, I'm saying I was more of the noob. You know? Yeah, but I'm saying we muscled. You, you you muscled through it. We did a really good job of being responsible, and and and, and, and I think you learned a lot. I mean, um, oh, absolutely. You know, I, I mean, everything worked out. Learned something new to try to you know better better the experience, and uh, I think and, and, the learning and curve a, is part of the experience. You know, that's kind of what gives you those great stories. I wouldn't have absolutely. Had, I wouldn't have probably had any great stories, you know, other than making fun of David, the youngest one of all of us, who couldn't keep up half the time. Um, I thought that was kind of funny. I'm the old guy in the bunch, and well, I failed because. Um 
I was told that it was going to be raining, and I didn't, I didn't get a second opinion. And so I ended up bringing rain boots, uh, muck boots, which are really, really nice boots for, like, mud and water and whatnot, but they're rubber. Like, so the whole bottom part is rubber, and they don't, they don't uh, wear in uh, like a leather boot would. Right. Um, and they're not a hiking boot. Um, and I didn't want to bring multiple pairs of boots for a two-night stay because I would never do that down in Florida. But in Florida... If I know that I'm going to be trudging through a lot of water, I'll bring my muck boots, but I'm not going to go 14, 15 or, or more miles or anything like that. I'll, I'll stick to 5 to 10 miles and then camp and then go 5 to 10 miles to the next camp spot or whatever. Um, in this situation, we wanted to do, I think, like almost 40 miles. So we didn't really have the option of doing 5 miles, 5 miles, 5 miles, 8 days, you know. Right. Um, so we needed to do some miles, and I failed uh, just – not not preparing correctly and i ended up bringing like i said muck boots um which i ended up with blisters on the backs of my on on the backs of my heels that were about the size of a quarter and they they were not they were not fun and uh you know i mean it's 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 blisters and they happen and you know but at at the same time you try to prepare for as as best you can, you you try to prepare, and the only way to know how to prepare is through experience. I mean, you can go out into the woods with an eighty five pound bag the first time you go out. I can guarantee you, the second time you go out, if you do go out a second time after bringing an eighty five pound bag, that bag is not going to weigh eighty five pounds the second time. No, and I think you know I, I was uh, actually deferring to you quite a bit for your uh, guidance on what to bring that on that trip. And I, th- I think I got my pack down to about 25 or 26 pounds. Um, I actually ended up using, it was kind of a heavier pack. It was a, a Camelback BFM. Um, and, it, you know, I was able to carry 100 ounces of water and all my gear and everything. And it worked well. But, um, you know, it was a trial and error thing. It was kind of an expensive pack. Um, actually, one of my more expensive packs. Um, and it was the first time I got to use it. And uh, I ended up swapping. You know, every time we go, it feels like I buy a different pack and, you know, I finally found some that really work now that I'm really happy with. But but um, you really have you love you like the Ospreys, right? I do. I mean, you turned me on to the Ospreys because you have the Atmos 50, and then uh, I don't want to get too much into it. But you know, our second trial, uh, our second run on the Nipmonk Trail, I went with the Atmos 65 because you know that was in December and we need to bring a lot more warm gear. Um, mm-hmm. And then you know, our last trip, I, I picked up uh, another Osprey. Um, I, I can't remember the name off the top of my head, which is kind of silly at the moment, but uh, yeah, it's okay because I know you and David both got the same one that time. Did. But you know, when we get to that, when we get to that adventure, maybe we'll touch on it. And I can, I'll do my homework and you know, pull it out. Every a lot of my stuff's packed up right now. Um, yeah. But you know, I, I, I did find use that BFM Camelback and um, despite the fact that my pack didn't weigh that much, I certainly learned and improved upon what gear I have. Um, I also splurged about myself a top and under quilt through uh, hammock gear. Um, awesome, awesome. I got the Burrow 30 and the uh, for the, the top quilt, and I got the um, under quilt that was also rated for 30 degree weather as well. Um, yep. Well, I think this. Uh this episode, um, I think we can we can close it out. Um, right. But in in any case, yeah. Um, just as far as this week goes, um, uh, I guess Daryl and I are going to have a couple of conversations over the next couple of weeks. Um, and no, as soon as David, 
as soon as David is ready, uh, we'll get him back in here. And we'll have Daryl on a couple more times after that, I'm sure. Um, and we're trying to get some more guests. So um, if you write in, if you want to uh, email me or something like that uh, with a cool story that you think um, would play well on the podcast, let me know. Uh, you can always hit me up at thecampingcanine at gmail.com. Um, the email, of course, is going to be in the show notes. Um Give us a review on iTunes. I did start a group on on Facebook. I'll put the link to that uh, in the show notes as well. And uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. We'll see you next week. <laughs>